Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Yesterday is a memory. Today is history. Tomorrow is in the hands of one man. Bond. You know the rest. shooting around the world hello and welcome to smash pod royale a podcast celebrating all the bond films by those who enjoy hate or you know just aren't asked about them hosted by me john rain this week we'll be seeing if fake news and stealth technology could bring about the start of world war three Yes, it's Tomorrow Never Dies. And joining me for a night in Paris is professional Welshman Dan Thomas. Hello, everyone. Uh, hello, Dan. It's nice to have you back. It's it's always a pleasure to be here. It's an oh. excuse to drink. Yes. Yes, <laughs> which we are doing. Yeah, good. Yeah. You, uh, what have you got? I've got a bottle of wine. I've got the remains of a bottle of whiskey. Oh, it's, it's that's, a- I'm not sure it's, it's going to make it through the show. Oh, we'll have to try, won't we? It's, it's the lockdown prerogative that you have to drink while you record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I've why- got another bottle of whiskey ready to go, don't worry. Oh, good. It's why the, the ultimate trick for lockdown is when you get to the other end, you are going to die of alcohol poisoning. The ironic thing... No, mm. we'll end up dying of not having it anymore. Your body is just become accustomed to it. Hmm, yeah. What the hell is this guy drinking? Distilled water? Fucking dead. That's the joke Paul Litchford always makes, that Sid James died because he accidentally dr- drank a glass of water. <laughs> uh, so tomorrow never dies mm. what was your opinion of tomorrow never dies i uh, when i first saw it in 1997 i liked it because i was not as i think i've said to you before i wasn't fussed on golden eye because i thought brosnan didn't really look like bond and i didn't like the music and it just didn't feel like bond he looks like someone from dollar with his big hair in the first <laughs> one uh, i, I then- kind of like the big hair in the first one the prince charming haircut Oh, okay. I, 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 that's. Fu- I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because the first thing he does is jump off that dam. So I, I suppose that would give you a bouffant effect, wouldn't it? Well, it just lasts for the next two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because I, I, I was so used to Connery and 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 uh, yeah, the other one more, mm. um, that it, it, he's a very different Bond, even more than Dalton, really. Mm. Uh, and then, so I wasn't fast on that. So when this came out, and he he. I felt he physically looked more like a Bond I had in my head, hmm. and the score is better. And I mean, looking back at it, these are the only two things that are better about this film. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of it. I saw, I saw this film again ten years ago, and I thought, oh, it's not as good as I remember. And then I watched it this week, and I got, oh, this is actually shite. Well, I'm the other end to use that I liked Goldeneye when it came out, and then when this came out, I wasn't that fussed about it. I thought it was fine. I think it was very, very flawed, but it had a bit of charm about it. But I've since 
come to sort of reconcile the fact that it's 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 good, but it's it's not amazing. It's got some really good elements in it. It feels older than it feels probably older than Goldeneye. It feels like yes. the, one of the eighties ones. What they've done is it's like they've taken an old Roger Moore script mm. and but they've added they've given him like, what if we gave Roger twin machine guns? Mm. Um, that doesn't sound like it'll work. Nah, it'll work. <laughs> and um, he, even with Brosnan, it kind of looks ridiculous because he doesn't he doesn't feel like Bond in this. He just feels like any fucking just SWAT guy who's wandered into a situation. No, I think you're right. I think that's the problem with it. I think. I think in Goldeneye and perhaps the world is not enough, he feels a bit bondy. But in this and Die Another Day, he feels odd. An odd fit. It's weird. It's an odd film, but mm. let's get into it. So we start off uh, at the terrorist Alms Bazaar on the Russian border. Which, isn't it adorable that the people who make this film are under the impression that if you're going to have a terrorist Alms Bazaar, you've got to do it in secret up a mountain when, as we know, <laughs> terrorist, <laughs> terrorist arms bazaars, if they actually just happen in like, conference centres in central London. <laughs> yeah, it should be Earl's Court. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It should, uh, yeah. <laughs> White Knight, uh, we've got you in, you'll be taking the central line, uh, <laughs> and then you just use your own name as per usual, they know who you are, you work for us, you work for the British government, and uh, they will give you 10% off and a drink. He's he's hiding in the cloakroom. He's, he's in between those coats with a pair of binoculars. He hasn't even got to be. He's huh. like, yeah, yeah. He's just today. You're not undercover. You're just you're in you're in you know requisitioning. It would be a bold choice, though. I think, and a celebrated choice, if Bond was just wandering around a conference center with a pass, and then just speaking into his ear, going, oh, oh, nuclear nuclear bomb there. <laughs> just. <laughs> Have we got one of them? Need yeah, you're wandering around like it's a panini stick. Need need one. <laughs> but no, he's up a mountain, and it looks like a car boot sale as well, which is it does look like a car boot sale. Oh. Um, it, it, it it's really grotty quality. I can't remember they said they filmed it, but it was it, yeah. they really. I thought it must be a set, but it's not particularly. They went properly on location to do this, and somehow they've just made it look like. Any car boots that I've ever been to between November and February. I think it was filmed in Port Talbot. Was it? Yes. <laughs> I thought I saw myself in the background there. Well, I was in old copies of Kung Fu magazine. <laughs> there is a bloke, if you look in the background, you see Ben Laden running past with a trolley with a couple of nukes in it. <laughs> on a trolley diash. And look here. And then just... <laughs> Uh, but and no. a Tomitronic, yeah, a couple of them things you buy. I got the two missiles and a Tomitronic. That's for the kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that thing called? The track, big track. I got a big track. What's the bit? Oh, the chunky, uh, like skeletric thing. Yeah, well, it's a big track. It was like a giant. I keep saying it's a big track. It was a giant uh, thing, and you could press buttons on the top of it, and it would go in those directions. Oh yeah, and it had tank tracks on it. Hmm. But but it only go in that. So it was remote control, but it wasn't remote control. Yeah, exactly. You'd, you had to be with it to control it. Exactly. You had to press the arrows to where you wanted it to go. That how did that get past the design stage? I don't know, but they were massive. Everyone well, had them. That's because people saw the advert. Presumably, got no, oh. that's great. Well, the and advert probably made it look like it was like really good. Well, yeah, probably. But then in mm. reality, even watching the advert, you go, I got a fucking jug after that now. Mm. Yeah, and this has done nothing for me. You expecting it to bring you a pint or something? Yeah, yeah. But no, it just sits in the corner and your kid gets fed up with it after a week. And you find it in the loft ten years later and think, what the fuck did I buy that for? I never had one, but I, we weren't allowed toys in my house. No, of course not. No. No. Because it was Wales. No, it was my mother's house. Well, weirdly, we were allowed scared missiles. Right, cool. Yeah. 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 Well, fair enough. Um, but then, um, oh, we also got Colin Salmon here with the very unenviable task of just doing non-stop exposition to the point where he gets bored of himself and wanders off halfway through a sentence. Um, but basically, the, the the key fact here is that all the world's terrorists are there to buy myth, to buy weapons, which is now it works. No, I have a feeling that they'd have. It's nineteen ninety-seven. They would oh. have been an online thing. You haven't got to wander around. No. You can get mail order these days. Exactly. It's not the fucking boat of the year show. <laughs> it's, I just come here to, to, to network. That's the that's the weird thing. That's I go for everyone is. here. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And then and, and minutes later, Bond murders them all. 
I only came here because I fancied Sharon from accounts. Yeah, from, not accounts, Al-Qaeda. Sorry, Al-Qaeda, sorry. yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sharon from Al-Qaeda. <laughs> he was the IT bloke. Um, yeah, so um, that he's, he's, he, that they're watching all this back on a feed, and Admiral Roebuck is played by Jeffrey Palmer. He says, thank you, Emma, I've seen enough. Send in the missile. So the, the boat, HMS Chester, he rings them on a special red phone. I just realised, wouldn't it make more sense not to blow them up? But yes. if they know it's happening, wouldn't it make more sense to have, frankly, the Monty Python uh, and the Holy Grail ending, where yeah. they just have a bunch of police turn up and yes. go, see, that's an offensive weapon, that is. Yeah. And they just arrest everyone and get the intelligence that they probably need to break down the networks in general and not kill a couple of dozen lads. I think in terms of international things that would be a world news story and probably regretted 20 years later detonating a terrorist arms bazaar is not a good yeah. look no mind you trump did it didn't he yeah it's not a good i look. mean they've all done it haven't they they've all done it. i was just all, gonna say we've all done it we've all done it we've all dropped a bomb on a terrorist arms bazaar that later turned out to be a children's party <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but yeah, so he sends the missile, and then White Knight, who's their agent there, he comes on the phone and says, "Hang on, there's something happening." And Colin Salmon's like, "Just get out of there. We're sending a missile." And then he says, "Yes, I can." S-, and Colin Salmon says, "Yes, I can see the plane. What about it?" And the truck reverses, and the plane's loaded with nuclear warheads, which is is bad. bad. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Terence Rigby's there as a Russian admiral i guess uh, yeah 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 mm. and he says oh my he says my god and jeffrey palmer says i take it that's bad or something like that and then terence rigby because he's playing a russian he has to say something make something look like picnic and he says if that will make chernobyl look like picnic well it wouldn't no it wouldn't it would still look like a nuclear meltdown yeah. wouldn't it, it would. like, yeah no not unless it was <laughs> Well, unless the thing blows up and somehow shoots a bunch of picnic blankets and some lemon cakes or something. <laughs> I mean, that would be. A... And he goes, and now, oh, now it does kind of look like picnic. Yeah, I mean, that would be um, that would be an incredible force of nature to send a living picnic out of explosions. Yes. <laughs> and then the mushroom cloud resembles Yogi Bear, who's come to steal the baskets. <laughs> I mean, that's just the unpredictability of nuclear energy. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. why it's a mistake. You shouldn't let the genie at the bottle. It makes giant bears. Mm. Mm. Well, Chernobyl, isn't that a giant bear, Dan? Isn't it? In a way. Well, I guess the whole Soviet Union was. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? They love bears there. Yeah, they they hit them with sticks and get them to dance to Agadoo. <laughs> <laughs> I knew half of what you just said was true. <laughs> Well, they have dancing bears, don't they? They hit with I know, but I'm not sure they go. <laughs> Were you at one of the gigs? No, 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 no. Do I get do? Like imagining the bear miming, you know, push pineapple, shake a tree. It'd be quite beautiful. Except they get hit with sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. Yeah, but they're but they're still a hell of a showman. Oh yeah, they are. They are. But there's always a terrible story. It's like Mary. Was it Mary Chipperfield who was like, "Look at what my monkeys can do," and then they went behind the scenes and went, "Yeah, that's because you beat them up." <laughs> it's not because they want to do that. They're not like it's not like Wayne Sleep. Wayne no, Sleep I, isn't a ballet dancer because he someone gives him a kick in before he goes on stage. I don't know that, and you don't know that. That's true. Mister Blobby tried to. Yeah, I know, but I feel like I feel I feel like Wayne Sleep is being kicked a lot. I think he probably has. Is, is aren't we all metaphorically Dan? What Wayne Sleep? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, we were all in the tales of Beatrice Potter. <laughs> Like this. Mm, mm. Who is he? He was the rat, wasn't he? I don't know. I assume they doubled up in that because it was like they put a helmet on. He could be Wayne Sleep was everyone in that for all I know. He lifted himself. That's true. That was quite a gift. Yeah. Maybe he's got one of those like that film Top Secret where he's got a really big penis. I would like to think so. Kind of tripod himself. Uh, where are we? I can't remember. Oh yeah, so so White Knight says we can't send a missile. So Roebuck tries to cancel it, but of course the ship, which by the way has got a key that says peace or war, right? Which I enjoyed. Right. I mean, I guess that's on or off. Yeah, it, it is on or off. That's exactly what it would be, isn't it? But there's levels between peace and war. Hmm. Is that, like, there's like uh, set, set it to fracas. <laughs> That's where they just throw rocks. 
Yeah, that's when they just like that's when it's just a diplomatic thing and they're just glaring at each other. Say it till you've been affronted and a little megaphone comes out and goes, You what? <laughs> you what? What'd you say? And then you get to war where they can actually fire a giant missile. Yeah. But everything before that is just oh just saucy email not saucy emails, just angry emails. I guess they tried that and then eventually went, we just need on or off, lads. Yeah, we just need on or off because, honestly, that middle thing that just sends an email that says, as per my previous missive, <laughs> was not. I mean, we got into a terrible conflict and we ended up just <laughs> we ended up just throwing mud pies at them. <laughs> and they, they sunk us with a torpedo, so we need that key just to go one way. Yeah. Uh, but they pressed the button to detonate, to destroy the missile. Cancel, I think it says. And uh, it's out of range. They can't do it. So they're all panicking. Ah, and then we cut to a scene of a man smoking. It looks like a big fat doobie, Dan. Yeah, it, it looks like... Um, well, like, Yes, it does. It looks like a big Camberwell carrot. It's the Camberwell carrot. And he it gets, it gets it lit by an, a stranger. And he's about to look up to say thank you. And we get lovely, lovely Pierce, thump him, and then say, filthy habit. Hmm. Smug, yeah. Well, wait, did, did Timothy Dalton smoke his bottom? Oh, yeah, like a chimney. Did he now? Oh, in okay. both of his films, so he's the only one who doesn't. So, this wasn't the first non smoking that's right. Bond. Oh, yeah. Lazenby, Lazenby smoked really, yeah. Um, uh, Jimmy Bond in the in the thing, <laughs> Jimmy Bond in Casino Royale. Yeah, that's Woody Allen. He's got a different habit. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a different <laughs> filthy habit. Yeah, yeah okay, fine. <laughs> I'm sure David Niven smoked. I mean, that, that's pretty much what he... He died of some sort of throat cancer, didn't he? Yeah, I know, but that was from something else. Yeah. We won't go into that. No. No. Although he is dead. You can say what you like. I know, but I was going to bring Michael Douglas into it. Oh, God, yeah. Well, he got that from Cunnilingus. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, 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 he... He gaslit Catherine Zeta-Jones, didn't he? Well, he didn't gaslight her. He just said, look, <laughs> love, I'm sick of you moaning about the fags if you consider the possibility it's your minge. Right? That's a bold thing. I mean, that is essentially the end of King Kong. His <laughs> yeah. doctor says to him, was beauty you gave you throat cancer? No, no, it was all those years I smoked fags. <laughs> just... <laughs> There's not a lot to do on Monkey Island. <laughs> Well, as we found out in the the grandiose film King Kong Lives, Dan, there's another lady monkey on that island. I know. I've got, where is my copy? I just bought that for us to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, you would have preferred Cigarette Island. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, where were we? I can't remember where we were. We, he's just knocked the fellow <laughs> up for smoking. That's the, there you go. A bit of a smug ex-smoker, because ex-smokers have that thing where they can... They can say, oh, you smokers disgust me, but as soon as they're back to turn the light, have you got a spare one? Yeah. Just yeah. next to him and goes, <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't punch him out. He goes, okay, uh, White Knight, what are you doing? Are you stopping the missile? <sighs> Hang on, give me a minute. Oh. <laughs> oh, you would, though, wouldn't you? You'd pick that up and go, oh. Oh, it's a fucking red. It's a red. Oh. Oh. And then that explains his adrenaline-filled um, <laughs> murder fest that he goes on in a minute. <laughs> yeah. That initial adrenaline buzz he's got from having a fag for the first time in 10 years. Oh. <laughs> he's just and they're, they're watching the whole thing via satellite going, is he shooting them no he's just somehow he's, he's doing it with his thumb but they're going <laughs> he's doing a presidio on him but it's going it's like it's breaking the skin mm. he's literally firing bullets out of his finger and we don't know how he's doing we, it it's, it's just but anyway the point is he needs to stay off the fags yeah he does we did well getting him off there uh, but he starts chucking around square grenades because it's the 90s yeah, and Which, this is the first moment that were problematically uh, production design wise, and this mm. might be a slightly naff film. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But he um, he he destroys a machine gun turret. He destroys a jeep. He punches someone. He knocks out the pilot of the plane, who for some reason is in the back seat, having a wank. Having a wank. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, why not? You don't want to sit in the front. You might get it all over your HUD. <laughs> I don't mean Roy Hud. Yeah. Roy Hud is not sat in the front seat going, oh, oh, lay off. <laughs> I've got it all over my jacket. Uh, no, the Hud, the heads up display, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you go in the back seat because it's just going to go over the back of the front seat. That's all exactly. Right. It's not going to yeah. matter at all, is it? No, it'll sponge off. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. If it goes on the windscreen, then it's going to be the hood, and it'll be like, oh, either we've mm. got we're being tailed by a big round plane, <laughs> or it's a drip. <laughs> we're being chased by one really fat plane and yeah. six tiny long ones. <laughs> <laughs> We are so fucking childish. <laughs> Should not do this podcast when I'm drunk. Oh. This is going to get terrible. I've still got a lot of wine to drink. Anyway, this is a little taster of what Dad and I do on a Tuesday night. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Bond gets in that plane and then he uses the guns and the bombs from the plane to just death fucking decimate the entire area. Yeah, it's a full Rambo 2 ending. It's total. Oh, yes. Spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking just, just completely kills everybody in sight. And bearing in mind, these are people who have just come with a contract to buy a bomb. Yeah, some of these are just like, like you know, like the bloke at Harrods who's just going to buy next season's things. This He's not a terrorist. No. These are just people who are just doing a job. Oh, but there is one terrorist there, though. Gupta. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Played by Ricky Jay, who snuck away with a GPS encoder, which looks like when you buy a necklace for a lady. It's in one of those red boxes that opens and closes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know what a box is. No, yeah, um, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, just, just checking. Uh, yeah, but he is uh, played by Ricky Jay, who... <coughs> uh, uh, it's uh, fine. Yeah. He never really strikes me as an actor, which, he, which I know he's not. He's a magician, but he he's magician, always has. Yeah. He almost feels like a celebrity turned in a non-actor role. Yeah, he's a bit like if Paul Daniels was in this. <laughs> oh, that's a good bit of casting. Yeah, although to be fair, um, Ricky Jay was very good at what he did. Has he passed now? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's been dead for a few years. But his thing, if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen at home, is he was he had the amazing ability to use playing cards as a weapon. So there was a deleted scene in this, which I suggest you all check out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Uh, just when he's telling Carver later on about something that's happened with the encoder, if you look in his left hand, he's holding a pack of playing cards. That's because there was a scene before it to introduce him where he's literally destroying an office worth of stuff with his cards. He used to be, be able to get them to stick right into watermelons. It was fucking amazing. Uh, he was he was very good. Um, but Is fact, that how he used to advertise his show, though? Hmm. Ricky Jay, you won't believe what he can stick in a watermelon. Exactly. Okay, well, yeah. bring the kids. Yeah, but don't get them to sit in the front row. <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's good in um, Boogie Nights. He's suited to that. And he's the narrator at the beginning of Magnolia, which I, I really like his voice for that. And he was in Deadwood. But I, I, I'm not sure about him in this. It may just be the part. It may not be his fault. Well, there's a lot of that going around in this film. There is. And it's an odd director, isn't it? Roger Spot is Wood, mm. who I've just realised sounds like a fake name from another Bond film. It does. It almost uh, sounds like Linfold's Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Spot's Wood, Linfold's Wood. <laughs> what I don't get about him getting the gig is, mm. it, so you're making a film, you're making an international hundred what $100 million film? Oh, it probably wasn't that then, was it? No, but, uh, but a, a big uh, budget film uh, for the time. Equivalence, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a big thing it's going to be a hit international spy thriller exciting all action let's get the guy from turner and hooch (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah essentially yeah that's what happened um i don't know what else he did i I did air america i know that i know what else he did the arnold schwarzenegger film the ninth day not the ninth day the sixth day is it the sixth day i got yeah i got it the wrong way around yeah, where Arnie is a clone of himself. Yeah, right. And it's no, got I the best dummy work I've ever seen in cinema. Brackets, the worst. <laughs> what is it? Where a man falls from a high balcony and it's the worst dummy I've ever seen in my life. Is it worse than the Voodoo Kill dummies, though? Uh, maybe. Really? I'd have to oh, go back and look at it. But I remember laughing a lot. If I think Tony Goldwyn's the baddie. Tony Goldwyn's... I'm looking at the... Tony Goldwyn, Michael mm. Rappaport, and Robert Duvalny. Now, I've seen that film mm. and, and formed no memory of it whatsoever. It's dreadful. The only good bit about it is when Arnie's outside his own house and he sees clone Arnie, Arnie 
uh, it's his birthday and Clone Army's blowing out the candles and he says he is he's blowing the candles on my birthday cake that's the best Arnie impression I've oh, no, ever he heard says, in my life he says sorry I beg your pardon he says there's a there's a man in my house blowing the candles out on my cake when the, when the, that went Cluzo it did a bit <laughs> You little uh, fool. Yeah, but Spotters were did Turner and Hooch this and the sixth day. So right. what so, a CV. Yeah. Oh. God. Is he British? I can't remember if he's Yes, yes, he is. So presumably he's up on Coronation Street or something and then ended up in this situation. Probably. Without doing any research. Yeah, oh, my probably. God. Hmm. Oh, you know what? I forgot. Hmm. He did stop on my mum will shoot. There you the go. fact that he did Tomorrow Never Dies Fuck is me. fucking insane. Fuck me. Oh, I mean, they should have got Neil Breen. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, God, I really wanted to do that. Just Not necessarily in a Bond film, just anything. I just want to find the excuse to give that man $100 million. We've been saying this for ages, and there should be a hashtag, you know, get Neil Breen $100 million, because yeah. I want to see, I'd be so interested. Do you remember when KLF just burnt that money? KLF? Yeah. Who's that? They were a band. They, okay. they they had a million quid in cash and they burnt it. No, why did they do that? As a kind of we don't need money stunt. Where are they now? Because I've never heard of them. You've never heard of the KLF? No. They did that song, you know, the KLF. Uh huh. Now bear in mind, you are going to get so many tweets saying, "I can't believe you haven't heard of the KLF." All right, uh, you know what? I'm used to this because mm. I had a very sheltered childhood. You did, right? I we weren't really, also a lot of modern music didn't make it past Bristol, mm. but there's that. But there's also, I a few years ago had never heard of Madonna's Vogue, and I didn't know what it was. Oh my god! And my uh, my wife went mad at me, and all her friends to this day make fun of me. I'm not surprised. It's fine. I just we weren't allowed popular music in the house, so there are massive gaps. The only up until 1996, the only modern music we had in the house was a copy that my sister had stolen and snuck into the house of Aswad's Shine. Jesus Christ, are you like that? There was that film where the children were kept in the dark for years and then in the end they're let into the sunlight. Yeah. But, was um, it that? Um, yeah, it was exactly like that, except mm. we had, instead of sunlight, it was Aswad's Shine. I remember watching that film where the kids are kept in the dark and then let into the sunlight. Someone will tell me what it is, by the way. And I was very little, and I cried at the end when they came out. And I remember my brother laughing at me and then telling all my friends that I cried at a, f- a film where children got let into the sunlight. See, that sounds... Basically, that is what happened to me, right? Mm. She just yeah. didn't have it in the house. But it was Aswad. But it was Aswad Shine. Yeah. Aswad Shine, and the other one, a, f- a few years later, someone gave me a dance remix of the Jurassic Park theme tune, and there was the only <laughs> two pieces, genuinely, there was the only two pieces of modern music that were uh, that I really heard until I moved out. So you grew up in East Germany? Uh, East Swansea. In Swansea, same thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the KLF burned a million dollars. I think we should raise a hundred million dollars and just give it to Neil Breen. Yeah. Hmm. See what he does with it. He'll give it to KLF, probably, no, and him. He's a twat. Probably would. Probably give it to EMF. But I, would, I, I, would, I should I, mention as well, the bassist of EMF listens to this podcast and, and he likes it very much. So if you're listening, thank you very much. Hello. Hmm. I wasn't allowed your music. Why weren't you allowed EMF? Because well, they weren't Aswad. Because they weren't Aswad. <laughs> you're not listening to that. It's not Aswad. Stevie Marsh is his name. So hello, Stevie. Thanks for your message. Hello. Yeah. I should get in this. I, I'm always happy to learn new bands that I should have known for decades. New bands of the EMF. That's when did when did well, Unbelievable come out? Like 1989. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have been allowed. No, she wouldn't have. Honestly, she, the only thing I'm look right now. I'm looking at a vinyl collection that I had growing up, and there oh. are there's Tom Lehrer. Right. I, are you familiar with Tom Lehrer? Never heard of him. Satirical singer from the sixties and the fifties, so oh, okay. tons of that. Yeah, and then um, some Hancock's, and then some classical albums. So I've got the, the, my mother let us listen to the score from Ben Hur, and that's about it. Bloody hell! Yeah, it's a pretty good score. This is turning into therapy. No, 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 no. It's no, 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 it's too late for that. Hi there. I'm Yasmin Akram, 
Join myself and my friend Philippa Dunn each week for our podcast, We Heart Worry, a show about cars and their engines. Obviously not. It's a show where we talk about our fears, our worries and our anxieties in a bid to help you with yours. And we just have a laugh as well. So join us. There's nothing to be scared of. I promise. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, where did we get to? Um, well, my childhood. Apart from and that. Then, oh, oh, um, we got to, uh, oh, he, he hasn't even blown up the, the, he's just blown up the bazaar. He's being chased by a he's plane. He's in the plane, yeah. Another yeah. plane's chasing him as he takes off because the missile's like seconds away from landing and detonating. Yeah. And then we get the, 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 oh my God, James Bond's going to die situation where there's a huge wall of flame. His plane comes out. Wow! the last <laughs> I forgot you did the foley on this film. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, and he's he's going. He's he's driving away in his plane. He's driving, I don't know. And uh, the other plane sailing. Sailing. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, everybody. But the pilot who's having a wank in the back seat wakes up and throws the cord round his neck and starts throttling yeah. him. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a rolled up sock, he was about to use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he starts throttling him, and mm. uh, Pierce Brosnan does his uh, painted uh, choke acting. Yes, where he he every time he gets choked, it's the same look, and it's so he is being throttled by a Russian in this, and it's the exact same acting he does when he is uh, in Mrs. Doubtfire, and he's accidentally eating some KN. Yes, you're right because he's allergic to it. Yeah, yes, he is. He's doing proper. <laughs> yeah, but luckily for him, he's managed to dodge some heat-seeking missiles by using the joystick with his legs. Yeah. But luckily he's ended up below the plane that's chasing him. So he has a great idea, Dan. Oh, no, he doesn't, does he? He does. Well, he, he, does. He, he launches the... Um, um, ejector seat. Ejector seat of the back seat guy into the plane above. Yeah. And then the plane explodes. How does it explode? I'm guessing the guy in the back seat... <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. It's not like we've recorded this once already. The guy in the back, <laughs> <laughs> the guy in the back seat. I think he's had a, he's not he's not into your autoerotic asphyxiation. No, no, he likes to masturbate with a live hand grenade in his left hand. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Is that not the ultimate risk? Well, so you got to finish before the grenade goes off. Or, like, if you slightly let go, it will go off. So you've got to keep that yeah. clutched the whole time. Yeah. I, I think it's, hmm. it's the it's the coming that makes you relax, isn't it? Exactly. So That's really, the risk. You, so you want to edge for as hmm. long as you can. Hmm. Hmm. That's it. But while also holding this grenade. 
Yeah. And I think what's happened is, is he's got he's got discombobulated because he's got sent into the plane above, which genuinely I spoke to an engineer on Skype and he assured me that would definitely happen. So if you if you if you get launched into a plane, first of all, if you are able to launch, he didn't even question the Skype, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, Karen. No, I didn't. It would be Zoom, of course. But sorry, of course, Mm -hmm. yes, yeah. yeah. Other video conferencing uh, software is available. No one uses Um, it. Yeah, but no fucking uses it. Uh, Yeah, you wouldn't like basically all a human is is a piece of beef in this occasion with a grenade in one hand and his cock in the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But he's he somehow shoots through. The bottom of the plane, yeah, which wouldn't happen. He would no. just splatter on the underneath, yeah. The, and the plane pilot who he's crashed into, mm. he wouldn't even know he'd been hit by him. No, he wouldn't. He'd just, he'd be like, he'd lose James Bond. He'd just go back to base and goes, "The fuck is that underneath here?" You know how many seagulls and birds they probably hit a day? Exactly. Yeah. And a bird shit on the roof, and mm. I don't know, and an outline of a man with his cock out <laughs> underneath. I'd love it if it was a cartoon Wiley e. Coyote yeah, yeah. outline <laughs> of a man with his knob out. Yeah, with just a complete throbber. <laughs> Pressure wash that. Thinking about squirrels. <laughs> Holding a little sign saying, uh oh. <laughs> But no, no, what happens, Dan, actually, according to my engineer, which, by the way, brackets, I didn't speak to in case anyone is genuinely believing that happened. Um, yeah, he goes right into the back seat and explodes, and the plane explodes. Yeah. And Pierce gets to turn around, considering... Now, I might be wrong about this, but I assume when you eject the back seat, the uh, cockpit lid... I say lid because I'm I was in the Navy... Uh, <laughs> goes off the top of the plane, surely. So if Pierce is sitting in the front seat and he says backseat driver, as is his joke, it would be like this. <laughs> because the wind would be rustling through the thousands of miles yeah. an hour. Yeah. And he'd be depressurizing. He'd... Well, he's got uh, his little mask on. He's got his little mask on, that's mm, true, but he'd still mm. get sucked out. Not for the first time. <laughs> That's what he would say if that happened before he died. Yeah, but he went, oh, he's not in the house, right? Why? And then, like, the black box is just recording. <laughs> going, why is he bothering? Black box is back there going, right on time. Yeah. <laughs> I get that reference. Thank you. See, that managed to make its way to East Swansea. Yeah, yeah, uh, But yeah. Then, he, then he has to sort of be a bit sassy and go back to HQ because they all think he's died because obviously the video feed cut out when the missile dropped. And he says, White Knight to Rook... Where does the Admiral want his missiles delivered? And Jeffrey Palmer's like, oh, you bastard. Actually, that's a really good point. Where where are you supposed to land us? Yeah, where's he going to go? Presumably to a British army base on Gibraltar. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Just like, <laughs> Amazon Prime, I mean, same day. We're on the Russian border, so where would they land? Germany, perhaps? Oh, yeah, I guess there's places you can go with it. I, mm. That was fine, yeah. That's, that's the least of the problems in this film, really. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. But as he's as he's as his jet does a last burst of flame, uh, we get the opening credits. Daniel Kleiman with his second go after Goldeneye, which was a success because obviously Morris Binder is he died after License to Kill. So we get Daniel Kleiman, who also directed um, Smashy and Nicey, End of an Era. What? What? The whole episode? The whole film? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what a weird switch of gigs. I know. Because like, you don't look at these and go, oh, that guy should do comedy. Mm, no. But this one's got like nudie ladies and x-ray, a gun being loaded in an x-ray. And the Cheryl Crow song. What do you think of the Cheryl Crow song? I, uh, it's it's fine. Mm. I, fi- I mean, t- let's be honest. A lot of Bond themes are quite bland. Yeah. Like they work in the context of the film. There's, there's, they've got to have a certain quality because they're a Bond theme, but you wouldn't necessarily listen to it in the context of not being a Bond theme. I liked it at the time. I remember buying it as a single. Right. Because I kind of always did that with Bond songs. I got right. always got caught up in it. Um, but I always felt that it's it's um, it's like that bit in Alan Partridge where he, the, sec- the uh, woman behind the desk sings, and he's like, stop it, you can't sing. Yeah. It's a bit like that listening to her song because the, the, the chorus she has to really shriek, and I feel like she only gets about seventy percent there. 
okay. but originally David Arnold who did the score to this uh, by the way this has got my favourite gun barrel just for the record why is that? it's just really sexy and shiny which I like Pierce looks good and Arnold's cue is perfect is he is it different did he do it four times then did he do a different gun barrel every time he did oh that's interesting oh he didn't do Goldeneye obviously um, a French guy did Goldeneye the guy did the score to Leon yeah whose Which name I, has escaped me oh you know it's just killing me oh Christ I, I'm, I'm going to look, look it up, up but, but it is mm. cheating because mm. oh. he the thing is I don't dislike his music I just didn't like it in a Bond film no I like elements of it I really like the kind of um, uh, the kind of rusted metal dead um, Cold War thing it conjures up it's Eric Serra. There we go, Eric Serra. So David Arnold did Tomorrow Never Dies, World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Right. Which are all very good scores. Um, but Die Another Day, uh, World Is Not Enough has a bit of a trip-hoppy thing going behind it in the opening titles. And Die Another Day... Oh no, Die Another Day has got the trip-hoppy thing. But it's also got the bullet coming right down the gun barrel towards the audience, which is horrible. That's not his fault. But anyway, uh, David Arnold in this, he wanted Katie Lang with a song called Surrender, which is the motif all the way through this, which then pays off in the end credits. But I guess they wanted, an, they always want a name, don't they? I mean, if you've noticed from the last few, you've got Adele, Sam Smith, and now Billy, Billy Eyelashes. Which I, I'm, I, 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 maybe I haven't heard that yet. I know it won a Grammy or something. It's, it's fine. Okay. It's just. I probably shouldn't talk about it here. I'll wait till I do No Time to Die whenever that comes out. You know, we're all 70 years old. Yeah. Um, so after the end credits, uh, the opening credits, sorry, we get the boring bit that's just hard to watch because it's so dull, where the HMS Devonshire is sent into Chinese-occupied waters by Gupta's GPS encoder that he bought at the bazaar. And so the, 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 some MIGs come over to them and say, hey, you're in our waters. And the Devonshire's like, well, we're not because we're looking at our computer that's set to peace (laughs) (laughs) um give peace a chance um that we're not and then the migs are like well you are and then but secretly in the waters around them is a stealth boat dan which donald trump would think would mean it is invisible yes Hmm. as opposed to what it is which is massively big and seeable yeah but it just doesn't show up on radar But the stealth boat sends a torpedo with a drill on it into the Devonshire to make it feel like someone else is doing it. <laughs> it's effectively a left-handed wanker. <laughs> you know, if you put all your weight on the uh, stealth boat, it can feel like someone else is shooting your missile. Someone told me once uh, that I used to work with in an office, and you always meet people like this as an office in an office, um, that if there was something called the navel as a wank which is where you lie on your left hand until you yeah. lose feeling. Yeah. And you paint your fingernails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you poke it through a curtain to make it right. look like someone else is doing it. I mean, it's a lot. That's, I, I knew the first two bits. <laughs> I've <laughs> never heard of... And then, so you get out of bed and you go stand by the curtain. No, yeah. no, no, because you're in bed because naval beds have got a curtain across them. I see so what you So you mean. can put your arm out and feed it back in through the gap. Yeah. The thing about that is yeah. you know you've done that. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. That's where it falls down, really. What but, would be amazing if one time you're doing it and then all of, and then halfway through you realise, hang on, I'm holding a book with two hands here. What's happening? <laughs> I don't remember starting this wank now I think about it. I was asleep, wasn't I? And you open the curtains and it's... Uh, Brian Blessed. <laughs> Brian Blessed. <laughs> Come for me! Do you mind leaning on my left arm? <laughs> Yeah, but someone told me that, and I, I just think, as you say, I think that's a bit elaborate, and I think, I think that did that desperate plunge you have after you've ejaculated, your world would fall apart from the uh, <laughs> the elaborate the elaboracy of what you've just yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're going all over the place this evening. Um, so the torpedo goes in, and then what they also do is they fire a missile onto the MIGs as well. So it looks like they've interacted in a kind of war situation. Yeah, and then there's loads of survivors from the Devonshire, one of whom, before it sinks, is Gerald Butler, Gerald Gerard oh, I, Butler, yeah, Gerald Butler. I'd say Gerald Butler. Hello, and That's also like, I don't know. I've probably mentioned before. I had relatives who get who used to get 
film star names almost right. Hmm. I like this one. It's got Gary Grant in it. Is it? It must be like when you're at um, Michael Douglas's wedding. This is this is Gerald Butler. <laughs> it's Gerald. It's Gerard Butler, actually. All right, sit down, fucking mouthy. Um, also, um, one of them is uh, Julian Rin. Is it Julian Rin Tut? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a bit more of a moment in it. Yeah. Oh, who's the com- Who's the actual? I guess he's the captain or the second in command, but the guy. Yeah, I don't know. Because he, this was a trope for years. Every time they kept the inside of a British military vessel, Hmm. the captain or second in command always looked like someone who would have auditioned for Bond six or seven years earlier. Yeah, yeah. In fact, specifically like George Baker when he did it, because he was supposed to be Bond at one point. But Mm. anyway, yeah. But obviously, they they all, all the survivors in the water swim up to the stealth boat because it's nearby where they were. And with, this is where we meet Stamper, who, <laughs> who's like Ivan Drago if he joined Blur. Because <laughs> he's always got these like kind of like nineties polo neck shirts on. Yeah, like he looks like a shambles now, but mm. back then he was what I feel like every like if if you were in a club on the pull and a bloke looked like Stamper walked in, you'd be like, might as well go home. Yeah, well, well no, I was just going to say if you were in a club. In, uh, during this time a stamper came in he would definitely try and sell you pills but yes yeah mm. yeah yeah or he was mm. already DJing there yeah exactly one of the, one of the three actually yeah yeah but you know, he's like Carver's num- he's like Carver's henchman essentially yeah we're going to get to this because I have mm. some thoughts on this mm. um, so he he's a prick I'll tell you after a start oh he's a prick yeah because he keeps going, he keeps making as the missile's going through the the, the chewy like missile thing that's chewing its way through the boat. He's he's doing little commentary. He's like, mm. now they're wondering why hasn't the missile blown up yet? Mm. And it's like, who's he talking to? Because the bloke who's next to him works on the stealth boat. He knows what the plan is. He's mm. like, who are you talking to? I mean, <laughs> who is this for? You, yes, I'll have some pills, but <laughs> probably doesn't want to say too much because he's banging his missus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or he's DJing that night and he doesn't want to yeah, say yeah, it because he's promised he'll play um, the, the the Grease Mega Mix as an opening. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I Grease Lightning, Lightning, Lightning! Um, what a time to be alive that was. Oh, awful, awful. It was a time, a kind of time where you'd wait for the top forty on a Sunday, and number one, you'd always be like, "What." Freddie Mercury living on me own, number one for the tenth week in a row. Oh God! Um, Egon Roney, Egon Roney, I ain't got no time for no risky business. Wait, um, Egon Roney? He doesn't say that, but I always thought he did. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So then, as you say, he's giving a commentary, and then he doesn't he even say knock knock or something. Yeah, he says knock knock. Yeah, something like mm, that. Mm. Just, uh, Oh God, he's on, he's man. bad. Yeah, and then he machine guns all the survivors in the water with a gun, with a massive machine gun that's presu- which we know later on is loaded with Chinese bullets. Yeah, which we won't get into that because that just sounds racist. Um, <laughs> but then he goes back on a telly and he's speaking to the silhouette of a man on a telly, and he says uh, everything's done. And then he says, I um, I haven't seen the footage myself, but I'm told it's exquisite or something like that. Oh, God. Oh, the footage of the guys getting shot in the water? Yeah. He goes, That's really good. It's choreographed. You know those old mm. MGM water ballet things? It's like <laughs> that, but, we, but with but we, guts. We gun them all down. <laughs> <laughs> Just as they were getting to the peak of it. Yeah. Oh. So then the person he's talking to turns off the TV, turns around, and then goes out, and we meet Elliot Carver played by Jonathan Price, who is fucking awful. Yeah, he really is. And I, I mean, love I have, Jonathan Price. I love Jonathan Yeah, he's... Price. he's look, everyone, it's... Well, not everyone gets one, but he, he's one of those great actors that because this is the only bad performance he's ever given, and it mm. is a bad performance. Because it was supposed to be Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. But there was a writer's strike, and it was chaos on set, and apparently when Hopkins went on... He was actually on set for a day, I think. I was so mad in terms of the script changing every five minutes. He said, nah, this this isn't for me. Wow. So he left. So they got, uh, I don't know what the casting process was, but they eventually settled on Jonathan Price, who on paper you'd think would make a great bomb film. But he's, and he still could. That's the thing. Mm, mm, just, he mm. wasn't good for his part. And 
I guess we'll be talking quite a lot, but this guy is a fucking nutter. He's yeah. a full-blown huh. nutbar, right? And they keep and for some, so they've gone with Anthony Hopkins. They've gone with this guy, and I don't know why they kept thinking, "Oh, this is a role for an RSC person." Mm. This person is genuinely insane, mm. right? And I, I, I mentioned before we were recording, I have an idea genuinely of who I think would have been a, a really interesting. Go on, because I've been waiting for this for days. Okay, right. Mm. Just let it sink in first, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I mean this since I'm not. This isn't a bit. I genuinely think this is, would have been the way to go. Okay. To play Elliot Carver, mm-hmm. Barry Humphreys. <laughs> I can see it because you're doing a Murdoch thing. You're doing a Murdoch thing, yeah. and also he had. I think it would be menacing in a way that he's he's not because Price is playing him as weirdly. Soft-spoken. Mm. Uh, I think at the time I saw an interview, good. Well, people say you're doing it a little bit camp, and that's just the way I do it, darling. And it was like, but he shouldn't be. This no. guy's a sociopath. Mm. You have a really. You, this it, it should have been a comic play. Barry Humphreys does. Have you seen Bedazzled? Yeah, I think he does. He play Lust? No, uh, Rackle yeah. Welch is Lust. Uh, he's. I can't remember, but he's. He's one he, of the sins. Yeah, and he plays it very sort of camp, but very sort of evil. Yeah. So it's not a bad shout. And I, I think and you you could just have him doing his impression of um God, what was the um not obviously not Dim Edna, the other one. Barry oh, oh um the husband, Les Patterson. Les Patterson. I have a version mm. of Les Patterson. Mm. You you don't want that guy with his finger on the button. No. You're on a hiding to nothing though, aren't you? Because the comparisons are Murdoch and that's it. At so, the time, yeah. Yeah. So how do you really Square that circle because unless it's Murdoch, it's not really going to work because the Jonathan Price, the way he plays it, and I, as I say, I love Jonathan Price and a lot of things, but his choice here is just too piss weak. Yeah, I don't care. I don't think he's at all menacing or scary. No, his power. I mean, um, he's lucky he's got Stamper because although I don't think he's particularly great either, he's a bit more menacing than Carver. Yeah. And he's just embarrassing in this. He's really, yeah. it feels like he's really in at the deep end and he can't swim. He's not helped by a terrible script. It's a terrible script, not just awful. the dialogue. Awful, yeah. I mean, the, his dialogue is particularly bad. Mm, mm. But also, it's, That's what I mean. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like, why? So he, when we first meet him, he's writing the headline of the next day's uh, newspaper. Mm. Like, well, why is he's the head of a multinational corporation? He can't be doing this in the middle of the night. No. For fa- is he? And there's nobody else in the office. It's just... A, in it, I've been in newspaper offices in the middle of the night. They're still quite busy, mm. right? And he's there on his own, and he's writing the thing. Stamper, I need to know how many people, how many soldiers were shot I needed for my headline. And make it quick, because I've also got the Sudoku to do, and I've got a winter skincare do's and don'ts for Sunday supplements. So fucking hurry up. Right? I've also got that fucking pad. <laughs> yeah. Drives me insane. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. Tap tap, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you so much, and we get him talking to his various sort of, um, um, you know, guys from all around the world and all yeah. the news offices. One of whom is the producer Michael G. Wilson, who says, yeah, who's, who, who's possibly as bad as oh. um, uh, as the he bad did it as the horrible line. Consider him slimed. Yeah, we get a Bill Gates joke and a Bill Clinton joke in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About how the software we've told them to download will need yeah. an up, will need to be rebought again in a year or something. Yeah, it feels like even then, at 97, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, this oh. is heavy ended. And then you get a bit about the cheerleader with the president, which is obviously yeah. a Monica Lewinsky yeah. reference. Obviously, she wasn't a cheerleader, but we're, we're saying that the president's a shagger. Yeah. Uh, again, as you say, it's heavy handed. And then he speaks to Stamper, and then he comes back and he says, my, what does he call them? My birds of twat or something. My birds of twat? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he says, breaking news. Um, there seems to be a bit of a something boiling in the China seas. Oh. Yeah, something, something like that. There's a, a storms are brewing in the China seas, oh. and he gives a speech, I want books, radio, film. Books? He wants them to write a book overnight. Yeah, and Stamper's got a lot to do. Because as we figure out, I was hmm. thinking about the timeline of this. This is the busiest day anyone's ever had in a film, is Stamper's day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like uh, fucking, he's all over the place. He's like, so let me just see, you want me to fact check your newspaper? You want me to write a book about what just happened and hmm. a radio play? Hmm. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it's insane. He gives a nonsense speech. It's, it's, it's weird. So this is written by people who literally work in the media who don't seem to know how the media works. I think it's probably written by somebody who wasn't a writer because there was a writer strike on. Well, yeah, what was that situation? Hang on, I'm going to look up because I have no idea who wrote this one. Uh, I, I can't remember who wrote it. Um, but there was a writer strike, hence the chaos of the production. Yeah. Uh, and so I think they got the script in at the 11th hour and then obviously they were just tampering with it all along but the writers weren't allowed to be there to do it oh right okay okay so the same thing happened with quantum of solace um, where you hear the stories about daniel craig and mark foster in a trailer literally typing out themselves any changes they've made right uh the writers are bruce fairstein officially oh no it's just bruce fairstein but i reckon um uh, IMDb gives the credit as Bruce Fairstein and Ian Fleming. No, uh, it's Bruce Fairstein. So, I, but I reckon there were probably loads of people behind the scenes just punching up stuff and helping, but maybe yeah. unofficially. I mean, maybe Michael G. Wilson had a go because he had to handle a lot of Bond scripts previously. But oh yeah, it's dreadful, dreadful dialogue, and you're so sick of him as soon as you see him. Yeah, like sometimes, most of the time in a Bond film, it's like that's the really bits you look forward to mm. with Bond versus the guy. It's like, oh, just leave him in his fucking trailer for this one. Yeah, he's dreadful. But then we get the British British Minister of Defence, played by Julian Fellows. Uh, pre-fame. Pre-fame, before he, decided, before he carved out a niche of writing about posh people. Yeah. Uh, he um, He's meeting with Roebuck and M about this, this particular incident. And... Um, they say, they're like, oh, M's saying we should have, you know, a, a period of investigation before we go, because Roebuck's big into, let's send in the fleet. Mm. And M's like, no, no, man, you know. And then Moneypenny calls Bond, who's in Oxford, uh, having it off with Brian, Brian Adams' wife, or girlfriend. Is that Brian Adams' wife? Or girlfriend oh. at the time, yeah. Oh, well done. Well she was done. a Swedish model, I believe. Well, that makes sense. Mm. Because he's talking... <laughs> Hmm. You see quite a lot of ass. Danish, Bond, Danish, I beg your pardon. She's yeah. Danish, which yeah. I know she's Danish in the thing because hmm. he does. I'm just brushing up on a little Danish. Hmm. <laughs> He's hmm. fucking a pastry. Yeah. Um, and uh, you do see her ass. You're right. You see quite a lot of her ass in this. Hmm. For a Bond film, it's quite a lot of ass. Hmm. Uh, it's fine. I'm not against it. And Molly Perry gets to do that joke that everyone was doing in the '90s about being a cunning linguist. Oh, oh Jesus yeah. Christ. And then she hangs up the phone and M's there and M says, and she says to him, don't ask. And M says, don't tell. And then she's like, yeah, he's fucking a pastry. Hmm. He's having it off with a fucking pastry. Yeah. We're paying him and he's wanking into a pastry. That's <laughs> 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 a fucking, he's, he calls it the cinema swirl he does. <laughs> well, it's got a hole in it. Yeah. But yeah, so he has to come back, and he and he comes back, and um, he when they're all arguing about what they're going to do, uh, Bond walks in and says, "By the way, here's the latest issue of Carver's paper, which is called Tomorrow, yeah. which is the most awful name you can come up with for a newspaper." Um, yes, yeah, right, I go along with that. Yeah, I mean, there's probably worse ones. Hmm. But Tomorrow, you wouldn't buy a newspaper today that's called Tomorrow. No, you'd want. Earlier today or yesterday? Hmm. And a, this film is originally called Tomorrow Never Lies. Oh, okay. Which is again, which is worse, by the way. Uh, yeah. Because Tomorrow Never Dies is a title. We need to talk about this. Has no relevance to this film. No, no, doesn't make any sense. No, because even if you take into effect that the newspaper is called Tomorrow, you're saying that it's immortal. <laughs> uh. Yes, and the thing is, I mean, it, mm. it, disproves, it disproves because I'm assuming at the end of the film, after he's killed the managing editor and Sudoku guy and, and Witness King can do some dodge block, that the, the newspaper probably doesn't go no. after this film. So tomorrow lasts about an hour and 50. Yeah, it doesn't make sense as a title. Um, but there we go. Um, so he comes in and he says, this is uh, in the newspaper about this conflict, but it also mentions how many people were killed and what ammunition was used to kill them and then Julian Fellows says to Jeffrey Palmer did you leak this and Palmer goes no it's the first I've heard of it which is when they should all stop and go well Elliot Carver's well, the, done yeah, this he definitely did it then that's mm. exactly he mm. goes 
it is so incredibly obviously well we better go and check but you know if you, you've got 48 hours otherwise we're just going to blow up the chinese hmm. or you could not do that because he definitely done it yeah because he knows all the information about what's happened but that's how we leave it as you say julian fellow says send in the fleet M, you've got 48 hours to investigate so when they're leaving in the car M says to bond well we know because the uh, gps signal came from a carver satellite yeah, it's starting to mount up the evidence for here, isn't it? Yeah, but she says, basically, we need more proof. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, you've got enough there. To Honestly. Start, to start an actual investigation. You could send Roger Cook in at this point, <laughs> right? You could send fucking Rylene, where his name is. Rylan. You could send Rylan in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I said Rylene. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> I'm drunk. Um, but so he's in the car with them and she says well we need you we know that Carver is married to a woman that you used to go out with yeah but most people are innit and he winks yeah innit innit and she says we want you to pump her for information and yeah and then and then Money Penny turns around and says with your cock like yeah. or something like that <laughs> something like that it depends how much pumping is necessary James and he comes back with a retort which is shit and it always bothers me if only the same were true of you, Money Penny. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. The thing is, what 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 is he being? What, what do we reckon they have fucked? Well, no. Oh, it's unrequited, is it? Mm. Yeah. But, but both of them are up for it. Yeah, because in Die Another Day, the last thing you see of Money Penny is her wanking to images of to a virtual reality film of her oh, having yeah. off with Bond. Yeah. Yeah. But it's unrequited. I've always said the Money Penny is the woman who works behind the desk at an impotence clinic <laughs> she she you know she gives some encouragement but we'll never go there right okay yeah um so the, he has to go to hamburg to investigate and speak to paris carver who's elliot's wife so he goes to hamburg and when he lands at the airport he meets q mm. who this point looks like he's fucking jim henson puppet <laughs> he looks so bad. He looks like Hoggle from the he, labyrinth. He does. Mm. I have. <laughs> oh, bless him! Mm. Bless him and everything. But he was, and I'm glad he was still getting some work. But he was like, he was late eighties at this point, mid eighties at this point. I th- yeah, something like that. Yeah, it, it's it's it had become that point. Was you know when um, you know the year Muhammad Ali turned up at the Oscars? Yeah. And everyone was like, hey! And then they were like, oh, it's sad, actually, mm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like that, but every two years with Desmond Huell. Definitely, definitely. It's like when they bring a whale out, a killer whale out of SeaWorld. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, it's it's Finn's really fucking oh, floppy. It looks really I, miserable. I, I think he's got milky eyes. I don't know whales can get milky eyes. Um, it's, it's very sad. But the thing that is sadder, and I know this is your feeling about this as well, is mm. the thing that is sadder and old mannish than Q in this hmm. is the car that Q then gives to Bond fuck's sake which is a granddad's car it's a fucking businessman's business car Bond has had up to this point he's had um, he's had a Bentley then yeah. he was then he had to turn that in for an Aston Martin yeah then he had a Lotus Esprit yeah then he had the sexiest um, Aston Martins again and now they did this deal with BMW which was a dreadful idea yeah, he looks like he's he's gone from Aston Martin DB7 to a thing that looks like a manager of a Nat West would drive. <laughs> yes, it's it's so boring to look at. Yeah, you take away the remote control, and this car is nothing. Absolutely, it doesn't do anything. I mean, as it turns out, it does. But yeah, you know, but it looks like it looks like something Partridge would drive. Exactly, it's I'd so love boring. If you, yeah, if you, in the next film, Bond pulls up and it just says "cockpit Bond" on the side. <laughs> Or James Bond drives a BMW. <laughs> but yeah. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. Tomorrow never die. Today, don't be afraid of the skeletons of yesterday. 
And I'm Ellie Gibson. And this is our new show, Extra Life. It's basically us talking to funny people about video games. When I was a kid, it was Grand Theft Auto. There's Sinclair ZX Spectrum. We talk about the games people remember from when they were kids and what they're playing now. Guitar Hero. The Last of Us 2. Combat on the Atari 2600. No, I love Pokemon. Anyway, find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Extra Life. GreatBigOwl.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.